0: Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and uh, what a joy it is to preach the good news to you. May God bless your ears and heart that you have the hope and peace that we have in Jesus Christ and that the Lord changes your view of the world, that you see things as he does with the love of his son, Jesus. If you want to support his mission here as St. James through Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org and donate. Thank you for listening. And he poured out the coins of the money changers, overturned their tables. He told those who sow pigeons, take these things away. Don't make my father's house a house of trade. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. Yes, when I uh, read this and started uh, studying this uh, this week, I thought of Copernicus, who would not, Right? Who's Copernicus? Anybody know? All right, I knew Phil would know. He's, he's actually Polish, by the way. Well, from what was called Poland. I think the Germans were involved up there, the Prussians. But uh, Copernicus is the, the one that uh, theorized that uh, after his observations, no philosophical reasoning behind it, just observation-wise, that uh, perhaps... Instead of uh, the stars and planets or whatever is revolving around the Earth, it seems that the Earth and the planets are revolving around what? I assume you know this answer, by the way, so, the sun. (laughs) And at the time, this was pretty radical, although it had already been taught uh, by a couple of people in the 300 BCs, not an absolutely new idea. Uh, But at the time, people were still into Ptolemy, I say Ptolemy, uh, who uh, proposed and people went with that things kind of revolved around the earth. By the way, he wasn't Christian, he wasn't trying to oppress people, he was a Greek pagan, Um, and uh, Copernicus had this idea was writing this paper, and he was actually continually encouraged by Christians, by the church, uh, to publish it. So there was no big conspiracy against Copernicus to tell people that the world didn't revolve around the earth, um, but he wouldn't do it. Because he was a little concerned, kind of like for his fellow man, he thought this is pretty revolutionary to go from thinking you know, that the, everything kind of revolved around the earth To everything revolving around the sun, that might kind of blow people's minds. He was afraid himself for no reason, by the way. There was no threats in any way. In fact, in fact, Copernicus lived the same time somebody else who discovered a revolutionary idea that would change the way you look at things. Luther, 1470 to like 1543, I think he died maybe right near when Luther dies. And actually, it was Philip Melanchthon, Luther's, Luther's friend, who had Copernicus invited him to their college and told him again, publish this. This is fascinating uh, academic work, but it kind of makes sense. Copernicus never really does, might flip people's world around. I think it's not ironic that he lived the same time Luther did. And I think Copernicus had a lot in common with this guy named Jesus, who came to do the same thing, but far greater way of flipping our worldview around, recentering what we center our universe around. What does Jesus do? Today's gospel lesson He arrives, John says at Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is the center of Judaism upon which it revolves. And so when a big event happens, you go to the center, which is Jerusalem, because you revolve around that. You might come from Syria. You might come from all across the known world, but you're going to come there for the Passover. And when you go there in Jerusalem, you're going to go to the center of Jerusalem, which is The temple upon which everything revolves. And they celebrated the Passover, which is a celebration of what? What's the celebration of Passover? It's a celebration of God's rescue of Israel from slavery and bringing them into the promised land through the Red Sea, defeating their enemies, saving them. They did this every year, coming to the temple, coming to Jerusalem to celebrate. So here they are doing this. And Jesus goes to the temple, and what does he find? He finds people selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. He makes a whip of cords. He drives them out of the temple. This is a painful thing, by the way. He's whipping them out. They're all leaving scared. First of all, this is not happy-go-lucky Jesus. What is up with this Jesus, right? He is mad. He drives people out, the sheep and the oxen. If you were approaching the temple, you'd suddenly see a bunch of oxen and sheep coming after you and people running out. And he goes, he pours out the coins of the money changers' and overturns their tables. He tells those selling pigeons, take these things away. Don't make my father's house a house of trade. What is going on here? Revolutionary, for sure. Getting everybody else out of the temple. Now a lot of times, at the last couple of churches I've been at, there's always a wonderful blue-haired lady group, and they usually use this as Yes, pastor, we can't have Girl Scout cookies going on around here. Is that what he's talking about? Uh, literally, people think, yeah, so you shouldn't sell things in, uh, at, uh, in the church. You shouldn't have any selling going on. Like, that's not in any way what's going on here. Or, what were they doing? Was it wrong? They were worshiping God, so they thought. They thought they were doing the right thing to make God happy. Do you know that? Because it's the Passover, so you're coming from all across the world. You're not going to bring a lamb with you. God's the one that told them to do all these things, by the way. God said celebrate the Passover once a, once a year. God said you got to sacrifice this. God said you got to come to the temple. So they're just following God's law. So they would go there, and uh, you wouldn't bring a lamb with you, you'd go and you'd buy a lamb. Well, guess what? We got a couple for sale here. And it would have to be without blemish, so it's certified by the priest to be good for sacrifice. What's wrong with that? God said you had to have a lamb without blemish and sacrifice it once a year, and have the whole Passover meal. So they would be going to the temple and doing exactly that. But you come into the temple, let's see, and you've got Roman money, usually, and that Roman money has a, has a picture of somebody on it. Who would that be? That was the emperor It kind of made him look like he was a king. Well, we can't have—what I mean, does God say, second commandment? You shall have no false images. Well, we can't have those in the temple? Well, guess what? I can take those off your hands, <laughs> small fee, and give you some temple money that you can use to buy the oxen, all with good cause. We want you to follow God's law. What do you think about this? God said do the sacrifices. God said celebrate this once a year. God told them to bring these lambs into the temple. God set up the priesthood. That's all they're doing. What happened here? They had become so obsessed with themselves and their actions. That they made that the center of the temple and not what they were celebrating God's insane mercy and grace of forgiveness of sins, let alone the rescue of Israel from Egypt. Does that make sense? This is huge. They're not just crazy nut jerks that just started selling things and took over the temple and made up their own religion. Oh, no. They were more religious than anybody. See? They pursued their religion and it looked so similar to God's. You couldn't quite tell as over the years it slipped from celebrating and revolving around God to revolving around them. So Jesus throws them out, and they were probably confused, and he takes that whip and gets rid of them, because they had turned the temple into something where you do the giving, and man does the work, instead of a place where God is the center, and he does the work. He removes all the people, all the sacrifice— And who is left? Jesus. Because he's better at religion than you are. He's better at being religious. He's better at behaviors. He's better at being good. He'll do all the religious stuff. He'll do the obeying of God. He'll be the priest. He'll be the sacrifice. You just sit back and revolve around Jesus. Do you find yourself as a trader of monies? Do you find yourself as someone who's come to the temple to do good work? Does it make sense to you? Can we fall into this over time? Changing our universe from revolving around God and Jesus into revolving around us, yeah, we can. And we do it. Churches are all set up, and their whole goal is behavior modification to make you a better you. They literally say to come to here because we will do this and this, and if you believe in God and read this, you'll be, have a better marriage, and you'll be a better person, you'll get on this discipleship, uh, you know, progress, and you'll get better and better, Blah blah, blah, or Luther came in just like Copernicus and found the whole church revolving not around the grace and mercy of Jesus, but instead in the Reformation times it was revolving around the very religious and pious work of people trying desperately to please God. And Luther got to tell them. Jesus pleases God better than you. (laughs) Let him do the pleasing of God. You can rest. You can enjoy his forgiveness. You can enjoy his work. He doesn't need your help, actually. What things in your life does Jesus maybe need to destroy that you're working so hard at, thinking these are the, this is the route to God, and it looks pretty good. What stresses are you living? What, what uh, uh, treadmill are you running on? What are you selling and trading in? What guilt and shame do you have that you're trying to run off, pay for, replace? Because we all do, because there's only two religions in the world. There's one where it's centered around human beings and what they can do. I don't care what you call that religion, they're all the same. Do this and do that to please God, go up the ladder. And Jesus has come to whip, if he has to, for your sake, those idols and kill them, and replace them with himself. He has done that. He's destroyed religion, and he's given you the free gift of grace and mercy. Look what the Jews say after he does this, which is pretty insane. By the way, if someone came into here and just started through this communion off and threw everything off, you would probably want to know what are your—please uh, give me some credentials for doing this, right? And so they say that to Jesus. Look what he says. They say, what sign do you show us for doing these things? You better have something, ma'am, because you just came into the holy place of God and threw out a bunch of people, and sacrifices even, that God told us to do. And Jesus says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews then said, it's taken us forty-six years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it up in three days? Now first of all, that temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., as Jesus said would happen, and it's still yet to be replaced. But Christ, as John says, was talking about Himself. But I love their answer, because they're like, we've been working hard at making this beautiful temple that makes God happy. We've been working hard at our life and making it right to make Him happy. I've been working hard at being a good person and following all these laws. And you're just going to destroy it, all the work we've done, because their whole life revolved around their work. Jesus came through, as he said, indeed was destroyed by their love of the law. Do you know this? Jesus was killed because they loved the law so much. He was destroyed because they wanted to be good people. I promise you, that's what happened. Their pursuit of being good killed Jesus. You know, after they killed Jesus, they had to take his body down because they had to obey the Sabbath? And they're alone on the cross for these guys here, for those money changers, for you and I and all our fake religions. Christ completed the law. He died in your place and mine. And in his name, he gives you free access to the Father. He gives you eternity. He gives you holiness. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's the opposite of religion. And that's what Christianity is. It's Copernicus' discovery that our salvation doesn't revolve around us, but it revolves around Jesus. And that's great, because we can just sit and spin around. Well, he does all the labor and shines upon us and grows us and forgives us and fills us with his joy. Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden. And I'm going to give you rest. I hope you get rest at St. James. I hope Lent gives you rest. I hope as you go to Easter, you have rest. And I hope Jesus sometimes comes into your house and gets rid of that treadmill and that idol and those things that you are just laboring at. It'll just be lost anyways and replace it with him. In Jesus' name, amen.